0: Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd like to start out by announcing the winner of last episode's book giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the episode's show notes was entered to win a copy of the book Knitted Dinosaurs. I picked one of the commenters at random using the online random number generator, and I'm happy to report that the knitter that will soon have some adorable knitted dinosaurs in their knitting future is Susan F. Congratulations. You'll be hearing from me by email shortly. Thank you to everyone who participated. Well, the time seems to have absolutely flown by since the last time I've recorded. And this is because, as I mentioned previously, I've been working tirelessly on a new collection of hand knits. And even though it's admittedly a lot of work, I've still been having a lot of fun with it. I'm in those beginning stages where I'm sourcing yarns, swatching, and planning everything out. It's probably the most exciting part of the process. I'm happy to say that things are coming along well, and although it may, you know, take me forever to actually complete this project, considering how little time my children give me to actually knit, I'm trying to remain hopeful. Aside from the knitting collection, I'm also working on a completely different, but equally exciting publishing effort that I'll look forward to sharing more about with you once it's more finalized there are some pretty exciting things going on over here. It's just a very busy time for me. I've pretty much been knitting every spare second, and I've had knitting constantly on the brain. I go to bed thinking about knitting, and I wake up thinking about knitting. In fact, something rather unsettling actually happened to me this very morning concerning this very thing. I woke up this morning to find someone besides my husband, sleeping next to me in the bed. It was my blue cable needle, and I have no idea how it got there. Seriously, I have not used this needle in a long time, and I haven't seen it in the bed, but this morning, there it was, right next to me. It kind of makes me wonder, with all the time I've thought about my knitting, if I was indulging in a little dream knitting during the night, I wouldn't be surprised. In working on all of this new knitting, it's given me the opportunity, or maybe I should say the excuse, to work with several new exciting yarns. There's so many yarns out there that I've heard of and constantly see pop up on Ravelry over and over again because everyone else is knitting with them, but I've just never gotten a chance to try them out for myself. So, over the past few weeks, I've been purchasing single skeins from various companies and swatching with them to test them out. And one of the yarns that I've tested recently is Quince & Company. They're Osprey and Puffin yarn. I was starting to feel like I was one of the last knitters on earth to knit with Quince & Company. I expected great things, and I wasn't disappointed. The Puffin yarn is a really bulky, single ply wool And that was fun, but a little limiting for what I was looking to create because it was so thick. The Osprey, however, is a bit thinner. It has a recommended gauge of 3.5 to 4 stitches per inch on a size 9 or 10 needle. And that has really been a treat to work with. It's bulky enough to work up quickly on the needles, but thin enough to use on a variety of different garments. The yarn is 100% wool, grown and processed in America, but it's a very nicely done wool. It's soft enough to wear against the skin, and it's spun up in a way that's extremely bouncy and really comfortable to knit with. Also, I found that when I washed my swatch, the yarn bloomed in a very nice way, and it hid all of those stitch imperfections really nicely. I enjoyed the yarn so much that I decided it would be perfect for a sweater design I was thinking of. And because it's a bulky yarn, I'm nearly done with the sweater. All I have to do is finish the sleeves. It's working up to be the warmest and coziest sweater ever. It's funny because I don't often design with a larger gauge yarn. I always seem to choose the thinner yarns. And it's easy to forget how unbelievably quick and satisfying projects like this can be. I might be hooked. I hope that all of you like bulky sweaters because that's all I might ever design ever again. It has been so satisfying. Another yarn I just tested out after probably a year of hearing other people talk about it is Brooklyn Tweed's Shelter Yarn. This is also a 100% American wool, but it's quite different from the Quinson Company yarns. Shelter is a worsted-weight tweed yarn with kind of a light, fuzzy texture. It's definitely softer than many of the 100% wool tweeds that I've come in contact with in the past, and I'm absolutely in love with all the colorways that this yarn is available in. They're gorgeous. They're all these very autumn tones right up my alley. I like them so much that for this new collection, I'm going to try to work as many of these colors as I possibly can into one of the items because the colors are kind of, um, what do, what do I want to say, like gradient? Um, similar to one another. Like there'll be a red and then an orange that's close but a different color and then a yellow that's also close to the orange but a different color. So it seems like they would blend together very nicely and be mixed and matched really well. In looking at all the colors together, it's hard to imagine how two of his colors could be put side to side and clash with one another. They all really work together. And if you haven't seen these colorways yet, please check out the link in my show notes because you will love it. Something I did notice about this yarn is because of its light texture, If you give it a tug, it will pull apart. And although this may sound like I'm telling you something negative about the yarn, I really don't consider it a bad thing. In fact, I found it to be great. It definitely felt sturdy and strong enough when I was knitting with it. It wasn't like it was coming apart or anything. But when I was done knitting, what I liked about this is that there was no need for scissors. All I would have to do is just pull to break the yarn, and it was so easy. Now many of the yarns out there, you cannot do this. I've tried and it all depends on the way that it's spun and the fiber content and so forth. But if you try this with some yarns, it's quite likely that your hand would be severed before the yarn would. Some yarns are so tough. I'm thinking of some linens and maybe some silk. It's some yarns you just cannot break no matter what. In others, you can break, but if they're plied, you have to separate each single ply and and do them one at a time, and that's a big pain. So this one, I was really happy that it easily broke, but yet it was strong enough to knit with, and that's because I am really, really lazy. Once I am sitting down with my knitting, I don't like to get up, and because I have small children in the house, I don't often keep scissors just anywhere. Usually they're stashed in a drawer and so forth. So when I'm sitting down with my knitting and I'm really excited and I'm swatching something or working on a project, I don't feel like getting up and trying to find a pair of scissors. The other problem is, is that although I think I own more scissors than probably everyone listening combined, I can never find any of them. I guess it's because I try to hide them from the children and then I never know where they are. It's really bad. To prove this point, there was a time when my husband organized all of our drawers, and he found so many pairs of scissors. It was ridiculous. We had an entire drawer dedicated to scissors at one point, but now they're all spread out again, and I don't know. I don't know where any of them are. So anyway, so that's why I like the shelter yarn. It's lazy knitter and child-friendly. No scissors required. So another fun thing I did since my last episode is I did a little meet-and-greet knitting event at one of my favorite yarn shops in Santa Barbara, California, Knit and Pearl Boutique. Now I've been shopping at the store for the past five years or so, every time I stop through Santa Barbara. And the shop owner, Julie, has been so nice and supportive of my design work. She was one of the first shop owners to stock my pattern line, starting in, I believe, 2009. And I am so appreciative to her that she has believed in me from the beginning. So when Julie invited me to the store to do this little knitting event, how could I say no? So we packed up the kids and headed down to Santa Barbara for the day. And truthfully on the way, I was pretty much convinced that no knitters were going to come. But I figured that even if nobody came, truthfully, just the idea of sitting in a yarn shop for a couple of hours sounded really nice. Even just sitting for a few hours in the middle of the day would feel like a vacation compared to the craziness at home. It seemed like it would be fun, no matter what happened. And let's face it, Santa Barbara, California, isn't exactly the worst place to spend your afternoon. For everyone, Listening who's been there, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a really fun place to go. And after all, it was only a few hours of driving in the car with the kids. That couldn't be that bad, right? Well, honestly, I was completely wrong on all counts. The car ride turned out to be absolutely brutal because my son cried in his car seat as if he was about to be murdered. And lo and behold, a lot of people showed up to the yarn store. I was completely unprepared for that, but of course, very flattered by all of the support. I met so many really nice dinners that day, and I had a really good time. Except for, you know, the car ride, because that was terrible. But, you know, I guess that just goes along with the territory when you have little ones in your life. My daughter actually came along to the shop with me that day, and she had a great time too. At first, she was just really shy, and she sat in the back with her knitting and wouldn't really look anyone in the eye. But before long, she was talking to everyone and anyone who would listen. She was telling them all about the patterns, all about graduating from kindergarten, all about her baby brother, and I'm sure that there were some family secrets thrown in there as well. I can't be sure. All I know is that she had some older ladies cornered in the back, and wouldn't let them get a word in edgewise. The final straw was when one of the knitters who came actually asked my daughter if she would autograph her copy of Coastal Knits. And it was at this point that I thought, Hey, beat it, kid. You are stealing my thunder. Just kidding. It was cute. But I, you know, did cross it out and put my name over it in large letters. No, not really. I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. Anyways, it was just fun. It was fun and relaxing, and wonderful to be around such nice people while eating yummy snacks and shopping for yarn, which I needed because all of that relaxing and snacking fortified me for the car ride home, with the screaming baby. Yes. So, that's what I've been up to lately, knitting constantly for my design collection and getting used to our more laid-back summer schedule with my daughter now out of school. I hope that all of you listening are having a great summer with your families and are enjoying your summer knitting as well. In this episode, I have another book review to share. This time I'll be talking about the book Knit Local by Tannis Gray. Now this book in particular was quite enjoyable to look through, because this is a collaborative knitting book that features yarn companies from all over America. In it, there's a little bio about each of the companies featured that tells you where the company is located, what kind of yarn they specialize in, and how and when the company began. And after that, there's a little knitting pattern for each of the companies featured out of the specific yarn that they manufacture. So after learning about it, you get to see it all knitted up. It was fascinating for me to not only see these yarns, but to learn the stories behind the companies. It connects you so much more to the materials you're working with. Additionally, the book is broken up into regions of the United States. The Northeast, South, Midwest, and West. That way, the reader can find out about yarn companies near them so that they can, as the title suggests, knit local, or support their local yarn companies. This book celebrates small farms, fiber enthusiasts, and the small, often family-run companies that produce the yarns that we love to knit with. Sprinkled throughout the book are great pictures of fiber, the animals that the fiber comes from, mills, and the people that actually make the yarn. I found it to be very special and interesting to learn more information behind some of my favorite yarn lines. And I'm sure that you listening will feel the same way. If you'd like to enter to win a copy of Knit Local to add to your knitting library, please leave a comment with your contact information on my blog under the show notes for episode 63. You'll find my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'll randomly pick between the comments left and I'll be announcing the winner in the following episode. You have until July 15th to enter. But that is not all. There is more. I also have two gorgeous skeins of yarn to add to this giveaway prize. These are two fingering weight hand-dyed skeins donated by the hand-dyer Tannis of Tannis Fiber Arts. And yes, it's just a crazy coincidence that two amazing ladies named Tannis have been mentioned in this episode. It's funny because in my non-knitting life, I've never even heard the name Tannis before. But apparently, if you are talented in the knitting industry, it is quite likely that you are also named Tannis. Anyways, about the yarn. I know it's hard to believe, but it gets even better. These skeins are also both cashmere blends. I have here her lovely Purple Label Cashmere Sock, in a pale green called Spearmint, and an amazing, and I mean amazing, skein of her red label cashmere silk single ply yarn, in this tealish blue color called Sea Breeze. Both of these skeins are simply gorgeous, but this single ply one is so amazing. I am definitely wanting to test this one out for myself. Of course, I'll be providing links to the Tannis Fiber Arts website so that you can check out her lovely colorways for yourself. So there you have it. You have a chance to win a wonderful book and wonderful yarn, both created by two very talented Tannises. So I want to thank Tannis again from Tannis Fiber Arts for contributing her lovely yarn to this episode. Tannis is so generous, in fact, that she also contributed one of her very own knitting stories to the episode as well. I would now like to present her story, entitled Growing Pains.
1: If you stopped by my blog or Ravelry project page recently, you'll have noticed that I've been on a baby knitting kick lately. With no less than four of my favorite people having their first babies this year, I've been thoroughly enjoying the opportunity to knit adorable little baby sweaters. Baby knits are my absolute favorite. They're quick, they're a great project fusing up stash yarn, and they're almost always guaranteed to be absolutely adorable. And on a more practical note, they also happen to be a great way to try out new skills on a smaller, less intimidating scale. After all, knitting baby sweaters is exactly the same as knitting an adult sweater, only much smaller, so there's less commitment. And even if you do run into a problem along the way, there are far fewer stitches to rip back. My love of baby knits isn't a new thing. In fact, it's what really got me into knitting in the first place. I learned how to knit as a kid when I was about six. Then as a teenager, I knit garter stitch scarf after garter stitch scarf. But of course, when that eventually became boring, knitting eventually fell to the wayside and I moved on to other things. When I went away to university, I decided it was time to pick up knitting again. This time, Rather than the old garter stitch scarf, I tried a simple sweater. It was a complete disaster. It was way too big, it definitely had more than one drop stitch, and we're not even entirely sure what went on with the sleeves. They weren't positioned correctly on the body somehow. Eventually, that sweater got frogged, and I reused the yarn to knit a poncho. I don't know what I was thinking. Turns out ponchos really aren't my thing. I'm not sure whatever happened to that yarn. I guess the poncho eventually got frogged and my mom probably stashed the yarn somewhere in her basement. About seven and a half years ago, my cousin Michelle shared the good news that she was pregnant. I was so excited and decided immediately that I would get back into knitting and knit her a baby sweater. So I found a pattern, I went to Walmart and I bought some terrible acrylic yarn that was conveniently marked baby yarn. It was a no-brainer, how could I go wrong? Well, I knit the sweater, it was wee, it was adorable, I thought I had hit a home run. Having caught the knitting bug, I quickly cast on for another little baby sweater, this time using a different pattern, a different yarn. In the end, I think that I knit my cousin at least four or five sweaters for her baby. I was determined to make her the best dressed kid in town. Now I'm sure you're all wondering where I'm going with this, you're probably thinking, That sounds awesome. What a lucky baby. Well, not so much. You see, as a beginner knitter and a relatively young knitter, I had no idea how impractical the sweaters I was knitting were until a while later when I would reflect back on my earlier knitting adventures and all my errors became oh so clear. That very first sweater had lovely stripes. It was a pullover in a newborn size. Well, newborns have deceptively large heads, and I'm quite certain that the sweater never fit then next came a cardigan sure it was knit in a lovely shade of blue and honestly i thought that was all that really mattered but the fact that i had elected to put thirteen buttons up the front of a size six-month-old sweater was a bit of a nightmare for my poor cousin who was left to try and do up thirteen tiny buttons on her squirmy wiggly six-month-old baby daughter which brings us to my personal favorite and probably the best example of my terrible baby sweater phase A sweet little cardigan with a big hood that looked so cute, that is, until Abby actually wore it, and it literally fell apart at the seams as she toddled around. I'm not sure where I went wrong with that one. I guess I hadn't mastered the art of seaming yet. Thank goodness my grandmother was there to follow her around the cottage and sew it up as she went. That way she wasn't left with just pieces of sweater dangling off of her. Instead, she had a messily patched-up sweater which was at least better than the alternative. Thankfully, Michelle is extremely patient, and she knows and appreciates how hard I worked for her on each of those wee nightmares. She sent me photos of Abby wearing each and every sweater, despite the fact that they were all perfectly imperfect. Luckily for her, when it comes to knitting, there's a pretty steep learning curve, and with the help of my mom, the internet, and my own personal experience, by the time she had her second child a few years later, I learned a lot about knitting and had improved tremendously, was finally able to give her a lot more useful knits and save my own knitting reputation at the same time. The scary thing is, Michelle has recently picked up knitting herself and is tackling her very first garment. By the time it's my turn to have kids, she'll be the one knitting for me and it will be payback time.
0: Well, I hope that you listening enjoyed hearing from Tannis, and also I wanted to thank everyone out there who has sent in their own knitting story for me to share on a future episode. I've received so many great stories that I look forward to putting up on the podcast at some point. I now have quite a few, actually, and I thought that it might be fun to kind of mix things up, and I thought that maybe for next time, I could dedicate the entire episode to just your knitting stories. So, if you are sitting there listening right now, thinking of something interesting or funny that's knitting related, that's happened to you personally, that you think that you'd like to share, I invite you to please email me. Please email me your story. I would love to have it. I think it would be fun to share it with other knitters. I know that I get a lot of feedback from lots of people from all over the world about how much they love the knitting story segment. So if you have something, don't be shy. Just get in touch. I'd love to hear it and I'm sure everyone else would too. So if you have any questions about recording or about how to share your story, please feel free to get in touch with me at nevernotknitting@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And additionally I should mention again that everyone who does send me their finished recorded knitting story will receive a personal knitting related gift from me. So again, if you have something good but have been hesitating, well, just stop it. Just send me your story. You can do it. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting. Dot com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Knot Knitting. And as I mentioned before, you're always welcome to email me at nevernotknitting@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I want to thank everyone for taking the time out of their day to listen to this podcast today. And I hope that you'll join me again at the end of July for another episode, episode 64. And in the meantime, you know what to do. Send me that knitting story. Until next time.
2: She won't even do the dishes. The houseplants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clickin'. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not not even talk about about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now it's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. yard in the fridge in the cupboards the bathtub and pantry it's even in the washer and dryer that's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes she's never not knitting and it's making Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She She just won't won't stop her her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl The house is burning up up in flames Call 911 Her husband says Get up, let's go But she can't set down her project She says let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.